What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan and Cassidy Zachary. And dress listeners, we are back. Welcome to season four of Dress. Can you believe it, April? Four seasons of this mm-hmm. podcast. My, how time flies. <laughs> More than 220 episodes produced at this oh, point. Oh, wow. Well, thank you, dress listeners, for joining us on this journey. And we are excited to bring you what is sure to be a very fun uh, season four. So, yes. Welcome back. And April, a lot has happened since we last talked to our dressed audience just over one month ago. And I don't know about our listeners, but I am so looking forward to today's episode as a much needed respite from the 24 hours news cycle. I cannot agree with you more. And um, because of that, we promise that today's guest is going to deliver that perfect merger of fantasy and fashion because today we are joined by the one, the only, Zaldi. Known professionally by his first name, Zaldi, Zaldi is an Emmy Award-winning costume and fashion designer, perhaps best known for his 27-plus-year relationship with RuPaul, but that is actually just one of the many aspects of the designer's prolific career. From an early career in modeling and then transitioning into the world of design, Zaldi is now a world-renowned talent, having designed for everyone from Lady Gaga to Britney Spears to Cirque du Soleil, and we are so excited to learn all about his history, process, and inspiration. Zaldi, welcome to Dress. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. We are so excited to have you join us. Thanks, Cassidy. Hi, April. Hello. Welcome, welcome. I, I think April joins me, um, you know, to say we're excited to have you here with us today. It's it's kind of a bit of an understatement. <laughs> we're both huge fans of your work and what you've done. And um, before we dive into your incredible career trajectory, we would love to hear a little bit more about what started it all for you. Um, for instance, do you have like an earliest memory of of when you realized the transformative power of clothing? I definitely from like my youngest ages, like whether it was like clothing, it was definitely fabric. And from the time, even from the time I was like an infant, I just remember having this 
very soft blanket and like the blanket was my cape. It was my cloak. Um, it was like my tent. It was like a gown. It was so many things to me. And I realized how like the softness of that fabric against my skin, what that piece of fabric made me feel like or who it made me feel like I could be, um, whether it was like a superhero or, you know, like some kind of wrapped Grecian something. I don't know. I just was sort of like aware of the transformative power of that fabric, you know, somehow. And it sort of led me down that road. You know, I had a lot of freedom in how I dressed myself as a kid. I always was able to make my own choices. But, I, you know, going back to fabric, I remember a time when I was maybe like seven and uh, I had decided to like pull all of the sheets of the, in the closet, that, the linen closet that I liked. And I pulled them all out and I just started like draping gowns on myself and thinking, you know, like, oh my God, how amazing this square has become this amazing company. <laughs> um, you know, and so I used to do like little runways. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just was playing. I was such a kid. But, you know, it was a little worrisome for the parents, you know, like whether it was just getting sheets dirty or whether it was a red flag, <laughs> you know, definitely not encouraged, but I definitely felt it, you know, and it's like, it's, it's the same thing I do now. I just wrap fabric around my body and I'm like, oh, this looks like a, this type of dress, you know, like, oh, we could do this with this. It's, it's really like the earliest connection I have, you know, uh, that's, it's not just visual. It's really my own experience. So. Yeah. And so it, as you've just expressed to us from a very young age, you were able to look and see, you know, all the possibilities of fabric and cloth. And I think I read somewhere too, that your grandmother had a really important role in, in your relationship to fashion as an early age too. She definitely did more so in like just art in general, because, um, you know, back in those days, it's like if you came from the Philippines, it's like, you know, she stayed for like three months, you know? And so she only stayed in my bedroom and I stayed on like a pullout bed so we kind of became like, I was sort of like her best friend in a weird way, this little kid, but she was very artistic. And, uh, you know, she did have a fashion school, I learned later in the Philippines, among other things that she did. But, you know, she taught me how to like draw with pencils using like a grid. You know, she taught me to like paint with melted crayons. Or you know, it was like, it really opened up just the idea of materials and what you could do with materials and how fun they could be. Um, Real, I guess, thinking outside of the crayon box, honestly. You know. Right. Yeah. And that exploration of materials, you continued further in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. You studied at Parsons in LA and also at FIT in New York. We, we are all alums of, of FIT here. Are you? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I got the information I needed from that school. I had a great time there. You yeah. know, I was continuing at, you know, because after the sort of like regular college experience in LA, I just was like, I just want to get an education. I don't want to like socialize. I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to like do work and learn and get out of it. Yes. So. But of course you were also modeling at the same time, right? No, not, I mean, modeling really came out like sort of around the time. I mean, it's sort of like kind of hand in hand. Like I, I guess my first sort of real modeling job was with Stephen Mizell for Interview Magazine. And they were shooting like Children of the Night, you know, before there was even like formally, like these are club kids. So he was like my first photo shoot, but it was really me as just me, which was very androgynous, you know, and I was always androgynous or, you know, people thought it was a uh, female, you know, it was, it was one way or the other. It was definitely more on the feminine side, especially when I was younger. And but it, it really wasn't until like I met Matthew, 
who was my boyfriend at the time. And I was together with him for like 10 years, but he was like a pretty famous makeup artist who only worked with like Steven Meisel, Steven Klein, doing like major campaigns. Like he was big deal, you know? And like, he is the one who would do like test makeup on me and kind of like bring that part of me out. And sort of, you know, the next step in that was uh, Suzanne Barsh, you know, who when she saw us as a pair, like I'd already been going out to her clubs alone, but when I met Matthew, we went together and she's like, oh, you should be, you know, a twins, <laughs> twin drag. You know, Matthew like, you know, like, was like five feet, uh, five inches taller than me, white, skinny, you know, it was just like, somehow we became like this duo. And uh, within that duo, I think is when like the real fashion world saw it. They're like, oh, wow, you should really be a model, you know? And it was mm-hmm. like, crushing in a little bit because, you know, I really studied as you studied, like, you know, like at school to become a something and I wanted to be a fashion designer, but I really got pushed into modeling, you know? Yeah. I, and you model for Terry Mugler, you've modeled for Vivienne Westwood. I mean, these are some pretty amazing okay. campaigns. I mean, like it was, yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> a major like Levi's campaign that like ran for like years. And um, it was good. I really like, I was one of those, like, I just want to be known for my talent, you know, as, as you are as an art student, that I learned to accept how great of an insight that was into, like, the fashion world. Um, it was a different vantage point. And, uh, you know, you just had access to these, like, major photo shoots with, like, major editors sitting there and, like, art directors and uh, makeup artists and hair. It was really incredible. So I'm so thankful that I did get, I'm thankful for actually all those things that people sort of, like, kind of push me into doing, you know, because in one way or the other, they always become a really beneficial part of my life. Yeah. 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 So it would appear that the 1990s really laid the foundation for what would become this prolific career for yourself um, that you built for yourself in both costume and fashion design for the stage and the screen. You started uh, your own label, I believe, in 2002. You also designed for Gwen Stefani's label, Lam. You did the show-stopping tour wardrobe for pop stars from Lady Gaga to Britney Spears, you know, multiple shows for Cirque du Soleil. All the while, you've been designing RuPaul's drag looks for 27 years and counting. Is this mutually reinforcing relationship between fashion and costume design something you intended or did it kind of naturally evolve with your interests and the opportunities you received? Like a lot of things, a few decades ago, a couple decades ago, people really liked you to choose like a box, you know, like I am a this, you know, like, and if you are a fashion designer, what are you doing wasting time dressing pop stars? You know, it's like, then you're not a serious designer. And um, sometimes I fell into it a little bit. You, you just can't help it because you have people, very smart people around you encouraging and telling you their experience, what their experience is. But everything changes, you know, and it's like at different paces. And so it's like, you know, it's like I really started making clothes for pop stars, you know, really. I mean, I was making clothes for Lady Miss Keir, you know, in my early days. And then RuPaul and all these people. So I think I had in my mind like a real distinction of like there was fashion, which was what I set out to do. And then there was costume design. And it was like you kind of didn't mix the two. But the more and more that I would do fashion, the more and more sort of like costume design and that the world kept pulling me in and I couldn't say no. It was just too interesting. Like you can't say no to 
Gwen Stefani, you know, like, <laughs> do you want to design a line of clothing with me? Uh, okay. You know, it's like, <laughs> you no, you can't say no to like uh, doing Michael Jackson's final tour, you know, or Cirque du Soleil. Like I had apprehension about doing Cirque du Soleil because I, I guess I didn't really know it. I really wasn't paying attention to it so much. I knew what it was, but I hadn't been to a show since I guess like, oh, and um, I loved it, but I felt like it was going to take me away from something. But it really just led me into another part of my life that would really become like, at this point, a more dominant part for now. You know what I mean? I, I never want to put that limit of this is who I am now, but it, it, I mean, or forever, it is who I am now. It's like, I definitely love costume design. And like, I think it's because it's like the line is so much fuzzier now. Like, you know, whether you're a costume designer, stylist, designer, fashion designer, um, it's like, it's really all like a design creative process. And like, people are more accepting to like, understand that as one thing, really, you know. So I love it. I'm like, I'm so happy that I also got swept into costume design. And the community, it's like a different community. I love it. You know, it's like all the people I've met um, are just, it, it's just a whole different world than the fashion world. And yet the same. I'm such a huge fan of Cirque du Soleil. And you've done, I think, three shows with them now. Can you tell us a little bit about designing for Volta? It, to me, it's compared to the other projects that you've done and you have such this incredible resume. To me, Cirque du Soleil seems like it would be its own entity in that they're defying human capabilities, basically, in what they do. And then the costumes are such an integral part of that story. It, it, in the end, it really did become sort of like an ultimate culmination or expression of like the language I speak of fashion and costume um, and music come together. I definitely, um, because my first shows were about, <clears throat> they were both Michael Jackson themed. And Michael was so much about his costume, his image, and about fashion, like, I definitely wanted um, everyone to sort of like connect with the people on stage and in a way that's sort of more relatable as to like, oh, I love this image and I love these outfits, you know, like I want to be this character, you know, like I wanted people to feel um, inspired and comfortable with the outfits on stage so much so that they can envision themselves as part of it, you know, and I think in every show, I did that. And then in Volta, I, I went even further because there was like a struggle, you know, the, 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 in these Cirque shows, a lot of people don't know because there's, you know, music or languages and different words. It's like there is, there is a narrative going on and there was more so in Volta. And there was, um, it was kind of like defining the different parts of yourself and uh, sort of like finding your freedom at the end of it. And it's sort of like defined in three different types of families of um, sort of like elites and sort of like um, your everyday city people going about their lives and the people who live off the land, um, the free spirits. So three distinct type characters that uh, kind of needed to tell the story through the colors and the textures and the attitudes um, that they had so that like at Anytime, if any of those people were on stage together, you would clearly know that they were different families on stage at the same time. So I worked really hard to like make great distinctions of like, you know, where elites, like the only time you ever see metallic are on an, is in an elite world. So anything that's shiny and hard is there in this sort of like everyday world. It's like 
you know, an exploration of gray. Everything is shades of gray, but it's beautiful. The costume is go. It's very fashionable. It's very like city and very like tailored. And in the in the freeze, it's it's, it's like I, I my approach was making things um, off of the land. So like a lot of the outfits are patterned off of like backpacks and like fanny packs and. Uh, you know, anoraks and like common day items that might be discarded that you might find secondhand that then all get to be put together um, with sort of like lacing or crocheting or shredding up the fabric and reweaving it into like tops. For the free spirits, it's like the, I only wanted things that they could possibly have made themselves with their own hands, you know? So it was, um, it was a great um, sort of like, project to explore and uh, define. Um, and I wish it was still running, you know, right now. I mean, it, would, it was doing so amazing and it was getting better every time. Every time I saw it, you know, they kept improving on the show. But uh, who knows? Who knows what happens? Um, hopefully this year there's something happens, you know? Absolutely. And I have to say, I come from film and TV too, costumes, um, but I started in theater and there is nothing quite like when you work so hard on your costumes and your teams work so hard, and then you actually get to see it happen right in front of your eyes. I mean, it's just the most incredible feeling. Uh, it, it is. And it's like you're, yeah, it's the moment you really lead up to, you know, whether it's like you're designing a tour, you know, it's like finally the dress rehearsal has come, you know, and you're like looking at everybody, everybody's, you know, contribution of working together on stage for the first time. And it's, you know, it's exciting, Exciting and nerve-wracking and stressful, but it's it's really, <laughs> really mostly, mostly you're so excited to like see it finally moving and so you can get to the next step, next level. When you are working with Brittany or Lady Gaga or, or you know, some of these are massive like tours that you're designing, where do you start? Like, and I'm sure each individual project kind of like dictates certain aspects of that, but I'm just hoping you can tell us a little bit about the design process for some of these, some, for some of these larger tours. Or- I mean, the first thing that, you know, like, you know, you get a call, you know, from your agent or from their agent or their people, whatever. And, uh, you know, so immediately you're like, oh my God, what's going to be, you know, like maybe you've heard a song from the album, but you don't know, even know the whole new album. Maybe you don't know what it is. So you get ideas in your head already of just ideas in general. But then what normally happens is, there's like a creative deck that comes your way from the tour designer or the director. And those could be, you know, I've gotten (laughs) creative decks that are like 178 pages, you know, and I've gotten (laughs) decks that are like, here's a shot of the piano on the stage with the lighting. You know, it's like, you know what we're doing. You know, it's like, I've gotten all different things, but you know, you're a part of um, a big vision that is all in support of this one act. And, um, you know, like you just hope that your focus and what you can contribute to that deck harmonizes with everybody else. And like we get to like all celebrate together and everything just works together for this like incredible moment. But, you know, it's like I said, we're working with incredibly talented people, set designers, uh, sound people, the lighting people, the, you know, it's like it, it's, it's such a huge, huge production um, of people that really have to come together and, um, Really, it's like your only true vision is the muse and that is your artist, you know, and that's the person who gets you through, you know, like you listen to their music nonstop, you listen to, you know, if it's available, the the run of the show. Um, So you can actually start to visualize 
what these like where the moments, the high moments are, where the lo- or the, the the calmer moments are, the ballads, and like you can start to find a rhythm of like how you want to reveal um, the character until the exciting end of the show. And how collaborative are some of the artists that you also work with in what they wear on stage? I mean, every, luckily, everybody that I work with has a really um, strong identity and a very strong point of view and also um, a really good idea of their selves, you know, like who they are to themselves and who they are to their fans. So very, normally very involved, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can't think of anyone who doesn't have an opinion of what they they like to see, you know. Yeah. You know, RuPaul has a great too, but it's like, it's, <laughs> um, I, I mean that in less than like a tour situation where we're like every single second, you know, we need to think about. But, you know, Ru, it's just to jump back into that. It's like, you know, it's we have such an easy rapport that, you know, no matter how big our work is and how much we do, it's ne- it's always like with uh, understanding and stride that we we take those projects on. Well, goodness. And you guys have been working with each other for two plus decades now. And, and and the oddest thing, it's like, you know, we're working together more than ever. You know, like, who would have actually thought that? You know, I mean, I think we're definitely doing like six versions, six shows this year alone, you know? So it's like, it's a lot, you know? I'm always not surprised, but um, I'm always so happy to see this like uh, ruse in influence and outlook uh, being spread into the world, you know, such a positive force. Like I've always known Rue as this like, like spiritual, powerful being who, you know, has something to show and something to say, you know, that's how I've always seen Rue before we even started working together. How did you two first meet? In a nightclub, you know, as, as um, a lot of these relationships in New York happen, it's just in the nightclub scene. And um, I remember I normally don't introduce myself to people or walk out to people, but I remember I couldn't resist walking up to Rue and just saying like, oh my God, you know, hi, you know, like I saw you last night and, you know, like you look so amazing, but, and you were in the same exact outfit, you know, as you are right now. I'm like, that's <laughs> amazing. And I wasn't thinking of it as, as being kind of shady, you know, or anything, but it was just, that's how Rue, and like, and I've said many times, Rue said, when it works, it works. And it's just something that I've always remembered. It's like, oh, you can wear the same thing three times, four, it doesn't matter, you know? And I, and I love how that's happened, you know, in, in recent years, like on red carpets and seeing, you know, where people are like, oh, it's my 10-year-old uh, Dior bias dress. I'm wearing it again. You know, like I love that idea of recycling clothes, you know? Yeah. Well, we have a big sustainability platform on, on the show. We talk about it a <laughs> lot. So, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, and Rue, like, definitely loves to pull from the archive and surprise even me. <laughs> but like, at the last second, we're like, I'm going to wear this. <laughs> and it's like from 1992 or 1990, whatever. It's always fun to like, think, see how like Rue's mind works with um, her archive of her own image and, uh, you know, formulating the future of uh, and the current image that she has now. And I know that you, I think, designed um, one of RuPaul's, like the cover of the Supermodel of the World album, which was, it's a lot of people credit with launching RuPaul's career. How did you, your relationship, how did you start working together? Um, well, it, it happened actually with uh, through um, Suzanne Barsh again. We were all on this, you know, tour 
in um, Japan of like these nightclubs, like in three different cities, you know, we would travel, um, Matthew and me and a couple other people like Joey Arias um, and Rue. And we'd all, you know, I'm not a performer, but I would be there kind of as like a, I always had a look as like a host. Um, but I remember in, in one city, um, Rue just was like, oh, you know, I think my record deal is actually um, going to happen. And I'm going to need like, some, you know, do you guys want to like work on my image with me with like image design? And it was like, I, I didn't really necessarily again even understand what that meant, but it was just, we sort of said yes, you know. So it just started there very casually again, like at a nightclub, uh, just asking if we could do it. And then it led to World of Wonder, Randy and Fenton, who have been with Brew also longer than me, you know, took it from there. And then we started talking about the album cover, the image of the album cover, and uh, that there was going to be a video shot at the same time. I don't know if you've seen the supermodel video. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. So <laughs> many times. <laughs> I just the freedom of filming in New York. Like, oh, go jump in the fountain in front of, you know, the Plaza Hotel. Just go to, you know, no permit. Just like, go jump in. <laughs> film until we fail. You know, it's like, I love that freedom. That was, that was amazing. I loved it. So surprising, like the, all those moments. It's like, it's, uh, I love all the moments I have with Rue have always been incredible. I just like, uh, she's turned out to be one of my most amazing muses um, that I've ever had. You have designed every single outfit that RuPaul has worn on RuPaul's Drag Race. Can you tell us a bit about that creative process and how you continually find inspiration? I've read in multiple interviews that not only does RuPaul give you complete artistic license with your designs for her, you also conduct zero fittings because you two have worked together so many times for so long. I mean, <laughs> it is, it's true. It's like, um, we don't have fittings. We've really never had fittings um, for a drag race ever until, you know, maybe like really, I mean, you can count them on one hand, but it is true. It's like when you know somebody's body and like, and not only when you know their body, when you create that body, it's foam and boning. You know, it's like, it's it's a stuffed body, <laughs> you know? It's like you really know the dimensions and the proportions of that body and, uh, you know, what length the dress is going to be, you're wearing which heel or, you know, whether you're sending the shoe or not. It's like you, you know, like we've learned so much and um, yeah, uh, gained that much trust with each other as well. You know, it's it's like, I have it. With a few of my clients where I just, you know, they don't necessarily need to see a sketch. They don't need to see whatever. They're just like, you know, oh, I'm going to blah, 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 wherever. I'm going to the Met Gala. You know, like I need a gown. It's very rare, 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 special kind of relationship. And, you know, but we do talk about it. You know, we talk about, you know, do we want to, to show more legs these this year? Do we want, you know, what, where do we want to go? You know, but there is so much freedom and a lot of that freedom uh, gets to be explored, you know, in my studio with my assistants. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like we say, it's like our, my studio's favorite project. They love doing Rue. You can almost do anything you can possibly imagine within a time frame. And I think I read that you start with the textiles. Like you, you talked about how, how formative textiles were in your relationship to fashion and costume design. And, and then I think I've read in a couple different interviews that you really start with the fabric as your inspiration for a lot of these designs. Um, absolutely. And it, it goes back to, you know, my blankets. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> the importance of fabric and that fabric is transformative. You know, and I've said it 
Um, I learned this at uh, Glorious FIT in a draping class, you know, where it's like, you know, don't force your fabric to do what you want it to do. You have to listen and see what, you know, the fabric doesn't want to drape over there. It's like, you have to work with it, you know? So it's like, once you're sure of how your fabric works, it's like, and the possibilities and you set up those parameters, you kind of, you know, it starts to help define like what you, what this dress is going to be. The design could be, end up on paper um, or it could just end up on our, in, in the head and start coming out in style tape and in fabric draped exact, directly onto the form. But yeah, it is the fabrications um, that really dictate the design. I mean, very sometimes it is the design where I'm like, this is what I need, you know, whether it's like LED, it's like I need lights, you know. But normally I start with fabric. You mentioned earlier, you referenced re-pulling things from the archive. And um, I actually work as a curator at FIT. So I'm in my own collection of archives. You and I'm going to come visit you. Yes, 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 yes. We're still operating remotely right now, but you have a standing invitation to come visit. Definitely, definitely. Um, so that, oh. that, that, that makes me wonder, like, where are all these clothes? And does Rue keep most of the stuff? Does it just, like, Not go most. into storage? Absolutely everything. <gasps> everything. Yay! And very well, you know. And very, That makes my heart happy, just yeah, so you exactly. know. <laughs> uh, very well and fresh, so that, you know, like, 20 years later, you know, Rue can pull a spandex, <laughs> you know, a cheap spandex dress, you know, with glue and glitter on it. And wear it now, and it still is wearable. You know, it's like uh, it is important that, um, and, I, and I think Rue knew the importance of this archive. You know, and you know, as Rue, <laughs> as Rue, I was like, Rue, you want to wear this dress? It's just like, how many more opportunities am I going to have to wear this dress? She's like, I want to wear this dress again. You know, that's that's how Rue. There's a little bit of insight into it. It's like, what? When am I going to be able to wear this again? You know, that's amazing. <laughs> Dress listeners, we often refer to ourselves on the show as dress detectives, but what if we told you that you could travel back in time and solve your own fashionable mysteries? Because you can, by joining us in playing June's Journey. And April, I can't tell you how much fun I've had playing June's Journey. It's this (laughs) hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour and intrigue of the 1920s with this diverse cast of characters. And basically, each new scene takes you further into the story of a thrilling murder mystery that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. You will sleuth with June in the antique parlors of New York, the chic sidewalks of Paris, and you can even build your own luxury island estate where you get to decorate and plant decadent gardens. And there's also a chat and challenge feature where you can play alongside friends. So join us, dress listeners, in putting on your detective hats and escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm -hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone. With more than 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and so many more, that world out there is practically at the tip of your tongue. And that's right, dress listeners. For more than 30 years, Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning. There are no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and 
think in that language, which is incredible. You learn by immersion and their programs are available to use on your desktop or as an app. And let's not forget that there is an amazing built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. So you learn the proper accent from the very start. For a limited time, Dress listeners, you can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Ruth told Vogue in 2018 that I would not go anywhere without Zaldi since supermodel, our communication has gone from shorthand to telepathic. I mean, you you both have such a wonderful bond and that was also exhibited, your work and collaboration was exhibited in what I loved, AJ and the Queen. It was such a good show and I'm so disappointed it's not renewed. Can you talk a little bit about that process um, and designing for for that TV show? Because I just thought that was such an incredible story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think, um, yes, I think a lot of people wish it could have gone to a second season to like explore more. Um, but it was really one of my favorite experiences with Rue and also in costume design. It really was um, my first costume television, what, what is it called? Drama? <laughs> uh, <laughs> comedy? I mean, it was show. It was like my first experience. And, you know, um, I got to work with the incredible Tracy Gigi um, Field, a costume designer. And, uh, you know, she did everybody and I did Rue and all Rue's uh, performance gowns. And um, every, I mean, like the idea of trying to like separate Rue, uh, you know, because everyone, she's so famous, you know, but separate Rue, it's like, you know, will hair do and with the hair color make her another personality, you know, and and it for me, it did. And, you know, I really, you know, like tried very, um, not hard, but I, I was very aware of making distinctions between um, drag race costumes and costumes for Ruby. You know, like, would Ruby wear, like, you know, I don't, wouldn't put RuPaul, you know, in um, metallic pink fringed chaps on a drag race. But it certainly made sense, you know, in AJ and the Queen. But I just loved it so much because it was so lush and designing for a different type of a scripted show um, with the lighting crew. And the, I mean, it was so beautiful. Like I loved, you know, like in Drag Race, I mean, you know, the lighting is just like a beacon of light, you know, it's just like a beautiful <laughs> soft blur where all the colors look beautiful. But in AJ, you know, it was shot so on, fil- I, on film, I, I I can't remember, but it was shot so beautifully and like the textures, um, all the spark, everything, you could see everything. And um, I was happy to see every single bit of the, 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 the costume because we really, one, had the time and had the great budgets and the, the great teamwork with the directors and with, um, with Tracy and with everybody and the producer, um, 
production to like really create something special and that felt very different than Rue. And um, I love that challenge and uh, I hope we get to do it again. I hope you do too, because it was so good. And the purple chandelier dress was one of my absolute favorites. Oh my God, you know, and like, <laughs> make it, thank you. And like the, the making of that dress, it was like, it was intense, you know, like it, it took a lot to make that. It's like, again, like I said, the time that we don't get to put necessarily into every outfit of Drag Race, you know, it's like, that wasn't there. It's like, we are it, it just was amazing. A great experience. Um, uplifting. Everyone was having a great time. Um, long hours. Um, <laughs> but rewarding nonetheless, um, even though we didn't get to see season two. Yeah. Well, I love how you point out, like, you know, obviously how you would style Rue differently than the character Ruby. And that kind of brings up the point, you know, you have been in the drag scene since the 1980s. What changes have you seen in that time? Um, I mean, it's, it's funny how the, you know, sometimes you see changes and then it's funny how you're like, oh, it's all the same, you know, it's the same contours, the same blah, blah, blah. What I think is just, it's just, there's just more, um, availability of imagery, of the idea of perfection, of the tools and, um, respect, you know, like just the more people that do it, the more creative voices come out and get to share their art with everybody the more knowledge everybody gets, you know, it's like back when I was doing drag, you know, it's like, like, oh my God, there's a wig store. You know, it's like you go to Miami and be like, oh my God, there's wig stores. You know, it's like so exciting. Um, but now it's like, you know, everyone can pretty much get a lace front wig. They can get a chest plate. They can get, you know, have all these major tools are available to them. And, um, and also like teachers and guides, you know, like 13 seasons of RuPaul have definitely put and like created such a global community that there's like a lot of support and it's like a fun competition. I feel like it's more fun in a way, you know, less like a uh, ball competition feeling. It's definitely more in the spirit of fun, I think. That's, I think, the difference I see, but it's perfection. I mean, everyone is so amazing, you know, like, I mean, you just look at them, like they're such superstars, you know, all the people that pass through that show. For sure. And speaking of superstars and fun, uh, we can't let you go without asking if you have a favorite ensemble that you've designed for RuPaul over the years. We certainly have our favorites, but I'm, I just wonder if there's any favorites that you have um, or most memorable. And then I also had a question. If you designed the Queen Elizabeth dress for the Vogue Annie Leibovitz shoot, I have to know. I did not do the Annie Leibovitz shoot. I wasn't in it at the time. And that was... I think they just was like a last minute thing where, you know, um, Annie wanted that kind of image and they just happened to be on the Warner lot and that wow. was <laughs> together and they, and they pulled it together. I would love to have been involved in that for sure. But I got to do um, work with Annie for the first time on the Vanity Fair cover. And um, that's really, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago, but it was, what well, it's like and for on so many levels, from um, an achievement level for Rue and for the community to see a black man superstar drag queen on the cover, you know, of Vanity Fair. You know, like when I grew up, Vanity Fair, like being on the cover of Vanity Fair was, I mean, you couldn't even imagine how famous you had to be to be on the cover of Vanity Fair. So having that moment for Rue and to share with everybody and uh, working with Annie Leibovitz, um, who is a legend, and just 
knows how to deliver and knows how to like really deliver a, a concept and an image and a lasting image. It's like to be part of that was something amazing because, you know, like that outfit didn't even exist that day of the shoot. It was like, um, you know, it was a something else. And um, I had, you know, created an outfit with all these stones that were on a white outfit. And Annie, it's for, she's like, she's like, I don't think I want to shoot white. And I was like, um give me like three hours give me three hours nobody just you know disturb me and my team and we're gonna go in the back and i'm gonna make this other outfit you know and like literally walking to stage you know as the last stones are being uh put onto the that outfit and it really turned out to you know it was it became that cover outfit you know which the cover was meant to be gold but this outfit just it was like a magic Again, one of those magical moments that just happen in the moment and uh, with all the elements are there together. And uh, it really was one of my favorites, you know, just because of the experience. And actually, it's a Van Fear cover. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Rue has this sky high white wig and this beautiful skin toned bodysuit that apparently your team put together in three hours uh, that's covered in, you know, diamonds. And it's just, it's such, such a stunning image. Yes. Oh my God. And Curtis and Raven, who did the hair and makeup, you know, who won Emmys, their first Emmys last year for the show. It's like, they did such an amazing job on the cover. It's like completely what we all wanted was an iconic image to like, Survive and last. <laughs> <laughs> so we're curious, what's up next for Zaldi? Do you have any upcoming projects that you could share with us? Or uh, just a little hint def- about? Definitely, you know, like I so said, we have our six shows that we're working on this year. <laughs> um, and um, there is um, some um, rumblings from Vegas coming, but nobody's... Mm. So everything's very... Um, Maybe, you know, I was working on this really big project in the UK. Um, It was like, we started right before lockdowns in March of last year. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that the, we're hopeful that that is going to still pick up when we leave. But, uh, you know, yes, there's there's some things I can't really talk about. But, um, you know, like I said, it's it's a whole new year and uh, hopefully... Um, it goes everyone's way and we get to like return to the, you know, all the real work that we know we can do. Yeah. Well, here's to next step 2021 and everything that that <laughs> will bring for all of us. Yes. Sure. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Saldi, thank you so much for being here with us today. This was such a treat and it was so incredible to meet you and talk to you. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I had a really great time. April, that was certainly a treat. And there's so much more about Zaldi's career that we did not even touch upon. And April, I don't know if you knew this, but we talked about Zaldi working as a highly sought after runway model early in his career. But did you know that the mannequin company Rootstein created a Zaldi mannequin? I did not know that, but um, I am hoping to later on this season do an entire episode on Roostine mannequins because they're not your um, average mannequin. Let's just say. <laughs> and 
And also, we heard Zalde mention the Levi's campaign that he was part of um, in the 1990s. I think it was 1995. Um, But we didn't delve into why this commercial was controversial. And that is because he appeared in drag in this 501 commercial, Levi's 501. And that was apparently so controversial at the time that the commercial was banned in the U.S. So this is clearly pre-RuPaul's Drag Race days. (laughs) You know, and, and that show has been really, really instrumental in bringing drag front and center pop culture. And Zaldi has had no small part in that transformation, both literally and figuratively. He has had such a prolific career already and shows no sign of stopping anytime soon. So Zaldi, thank you again for joining us today. And we are very much looking forward to following your work well into the future. That does it for us today, dress listeners. May you consider adding a little fashion and fantasy into your wardrobe next time you get dressed. Remember to tune in this Thursday for our very first Fashion History Now of the season, where we talk all things, per your request, Bridgerton. And we love hearing from you. So if you'd like to email us, please do so at dressed at iheartmedia.com. You can also direct messages us on Instagram at dressed underscore podcast, where you'll find images accompanying each week's episode. You can also follow us on Facebook at dress podcast without the underscore. And if you have a moment and want to take time to rate and review us on your podcast listening platform of choice, we would appreciate your support. And as always, special thanks to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio who makes this show possible each and every week. More Dress Thursday. Dress, the history of fashion, is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.